gentlemen, introducing the Ball and Mitt Podcast, a willy-nilly talk show about baseball, life, and the occasional knee slapper. So grab your Cracker Jacks, sit back, and relax. It's gonna be a doozy. Here's your host, the B-Knees himself, Brian Hey, baseball fans, what is going on? Welcome to the Ball and Mitt Podcast. This is episode 17, and I'm your main man, Brian Brammer. I'm the host. It's my show. I do what I want. Unless I have two females on the show, and then I concede and they get to do what they want. That's just how it goes. Uh, what's the saying? Happy wife, happy life. I don't have a wife, but it is what it is. I'm sure it's the same principle all throughout your relationships with females. So let's just roll with it. Uh, they are from a No Crying in Baseball podcast, uh, awesome, hilarious uh, uh, women, and they love baseball. And so I wanted to bring them on the show to give us their perspective and let us know what their thoughts are on on women in baseball and just their take on it. So let's just get right to it. I want you guys to tell the listeners uh, who you are, where you're from, and what drives your passion for baseball and potty mouth, take it away. So I'm Potty Mouth, and I am from Massachusetts, and that explains a lot about my passion for baseball. Anybody from Massachusetts is a huge Red Sox fan, and I am a third, proud third-generation Red Sox fan. So my grandfather died without having seen them win a World Series, and when they finally won in 2004, my dad opened a bottle of champagne, which says a lot because my dad is the biggest teetotaler that you can imagine. I, on the other hand, am not. Patty and I have a beer or two together when we go to games or have the podcast. But for my dad to open champagne, it was such a momentous occasion. So that's just been with me. When I was a kid, my dad used to write me at summer camp with the weather and the Red Sox score every day. So I've been following baseball for a long time, uh, drives my passion. I think that's a little bit of it. I mean, I think it, coming from Fenway Park is just a, an amazing place to grow up with baseball. And it's just a passionate city. And I am now a transplant. I live right outside of D.C. And when I came down here, I was forced to go to the Orioles to see baseball. And now, now. Watch yeah. it, watch it. <laughs> okay, it's two to one here. I'm just telling you, it's two to one. Sorry, continue. Yep. yep, and so I've been a loud person. They love me at Camden Stadium, I know. And well, now Patty and I go together. So coming down here and rooting for my Red Sox from afar, that's been good. The, the other thing, though, that we have in common is now – I'm a Nationals fan, and it's still like I still get a little bit of a click to say that in a full sentence because I just feel, you know, so much Red Sox in my blood. But I realized it's a cool stadium. I can take the Metro there. The players are fun. I loved both managers that I've been here under or the ones that I've paid attention to. And, um, you know, it's okay to have a B team until my A team is back in town. So that's me. Is that enough, Patty? I think it's a pretty good overview, I think, of the essence of what it is to be potty mouth. Sure, sure. So um, I'm a Cleveland girl, which means I grew up as a fan of the Cleveland baseball team and also means that I know what it's like to root for the underdog pretty much all the time. So that kind of fed my childhood quite a bit. I got to be really especially into baseball actually later, though, when Jacobs Field opened, which is now Progressive Field in Cleveland, my family, who was then spread around the country, would have family reunions at ball games at Jacobs Field. And so it, came, it became kind of like a, a family bonding thing, which was a lot of fun, even though we grew up watching. We, you know, we didn't really play, 
we watched kind of casually, but fun. But then something about Jacob's Field, like the new the new style stadium and all that really kind of brought us all together. And it was just something to look forward to every summer. And since then, I've carried on my love for ballparks in that my daughter is named Camden for a reason. Um, our joke is that she's lucky that the she was born before the Nationals were born because then she might have been called Natitude as opposed to being named after the ballpark in which the Orioles play. But yeah, so my, my husband was a third baseman. My daughter is a third baseman. She's a, a little league coach. I love to go to games with my friend Potty Math. I love to go with my kids, yell and scream, and really follow baseball closely. It's just so much fun, and it's a good stress reliever, man. You know, I was just realizing the parallel story between your family's experience with baseball and mine sort of parallels like your togetherness and my, say, spinning off with the bullpen cart because my my husband was the assistant coach of our daughter's softball team for a little while. And my kid- Wait, when our daughters played together. Yeah, when they were yeah. very little. And my kid didn't last nearly as long as Camden. And one of the key moments was when she hit my husband in the head with a bat and he had a concussion. So that she was- She did not that- do it on purpose. To be clear, it was an accident. And I <laughs> I didn't realize she had the strength in her to do it. Frankly, the kid's got a swing. She should think about the game. Yeah. And she has sort of like the klutziness and grace of her mother. So it, it went, uh, it went right into his head when she swung, when she dropped the bat. And that was the end of both his coaching and her softball playing. Right. (laughs) One, one fail swoop. Right. Uh, Well, you know what? I I did some umpiring for little league about two years ago. And that's just, I mean, those kids just swing that back bat and that backswing is ridiculous. Good thing I had the shin guards and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so, you know, maybe some, maybe some kids need to give up the sport and you're a good parent for maybe ushering her somewhere else or encouraging her to do so. Um, a lot of the, the parents and even coaches are kind of trying to live through their kids' eyes. Now I'm not a parent, so I'm not trying to be super, you know, objective about this because, or subjective, I, I can't be, but it's funny and this is complete tangent, so I can do them too. Um, <laughs> there's been times where like this coach over here gets so angry and so does a coach over here. And it's mainly because this one took this guy's girlfriend in high school and they need to pay him back by beating their other team. It's really never about those kids. Um, so I was like, eh, let's chill out on the umpiring for a little bit. Um, but that's completely not in our notes. So that's what kind of show this is going to be. Um, all right. So, <laughs> so you guys talked about, obviously, you know, your, your different um, upbringings, your different passions behind the sport. And obviously you guys, you know, you're, you're, kids kind of grew up together uh, playing some sports. So how did the podcast idea come into view? I mean, was it a shower thought? Was it a preconceived aspiration? Did, did someone else, you know, give you this idea? Maybe El Jefe had it in the shower. I never quite found out when, when he got the idea. What do you think, Patty? We don't talk to him about his shower habits. And I think that's really best. Something should stay, you know, like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's their producer, by the way. Uh, right. El Jefe's uh, our producer. Yeah. He's also a really good friend of ours. And so a big gang of us watch sports together. A small subset of the gang is really into it and others are just being social. So Potty Mouth and I are kind of like the yellers and screamers at the game, right? And usually in Potty Mouth's basement. And um, El Jefe one day thought we were kind of hilarious in the, the comments we were making at the game. I kind of think we're a little bit like Mystery Science 3000 when we, you know, when we watch <laughs> We watch games together. I don't know. But he said, hey, you guys should do a podcast. And we thought, you know, it's not the same really yelling at a game as it is talking about baseball to each other for 30 minutes. But we gave it a go. And that's why I am potty mouth, because uh, 
as I said before, I learned about baseball in Fenway Park. And if you've been at the bleachers in Fenway Park, there's a certain vernacular. And I picked it up at a pretty young age. And that's just my baseball language. And actually, I got it from my grandmother. She was the biggest swearer when she was watching the Red Sox, uh, and especially because it was that era. So because of that, I was a little concerned about podcasting because I said to El Jefe, I can't not swear if I'm talking about sports. And I know I promised you I'd do PG today. So I'm, I'm really, really trying hard. You don't know how hard this is for you. It's really no, a it's, big honking deal. It's unbelievable she's made it this far. Well, no, I, I know some people when you grow up around a certain uh, area, around certain people, regardless of what it is, you know, that you, you know, it's that nature nurture thing. So like I, I for me personally, um, I had a temper growing up. And so I, it's always been a challenge to me to, to use appropriate language at, at the right time. So I, I get that, you know, I, I definitely do get that. Um, and so it, the funny thing, and I'll let the listeners know real quick, that's pretty much their second take on those questions because we were about five to seven minutes in and I had to stop. Uh, potty mouth was talking at that time because I, I did not hit the record button. Uh, so uh, a lot of the guys on my so I'm part of Belly Up Sports in the Belly Up Podcast Nation, our network. I keep saying nation. Let's just I, I think let's just roll with it. Yeah, it'll work. We're taking over the nation. But I help produce their podcast, uh, Puck Puck Pass. And oftentimes I'm telling them, hey, get closer to the mic or stop hitting the table. We can pick it up. And here I am. I didn't even hit record. Uh, so that was I like the second take. I thought it was good, concise, to the point. That was bold of you for coming out with that. I, I very much admire that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm open book here, but let me get some quick questions, and then I want to get into some nitty gritty stuff about uh, women involved in, ba- in baseball, your experiences, uh, what you guys think, what needs to be done. Are we doing a good job? Are we not doing a good job? Or is there is there even a job to be to be done? I, I kind of want to get your whole take on it. You've you've shared some things with me. We've I've got some questions that I'm going to lead the discussion with that I I gave Patty and Potty Mouth ahead of time so they weren't too surprised. Um, but but real quick, I'm not going to go through all these for the sake of time, but favorite baseball movie, favorite baseball quote, and your favorite Christmas movie because that's right around the corner and I love it. Wait, wait. Can we swap one of the other ones for quote? Because I don't have a quote, okay, but I do fine. have either a player or a uniform. I could do either one okay, of those. Okay, either one. Have it your way. Your show. It's all about you. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I, I love it when it's all about us. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to get in the movie first because I, I think we have the same one. I bet we do. Should we say it? One, two, three, Bull Durham? Yep. You know what? I got to pause you here and, and I'm going to get some flack. And I think this creates some awesome controversy for the podcast. That is the least favorite movie of mine. Really? And and, here, and here's why. I mean, I, I, I've been in Durham for the past. I worked in Durham for four or five years. I don't think it's much about baseball as it is a love triangle. And I feel like baseball is the background or the setting of what they wanted to do. I will say, I usually refer to it as my favorite baseball movie that's not really about baseball. So you're not wrong. I mean, if I have to have one that's more about baseball, baseball, it's probably Eight Men Out. But I'm gonna, I, I, I hold to, uh, to Bull Durham. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. And I like, oh, so it's not going to be much of a controversy. <laughs> Now remember, well, also we're parents. We're used to like moderating, you know, these things and making everybody happy. So, favorite uh, uniform or, or, or quote? Okay, I definitely don't have a quote, but my favorite uniform is the 1970s Astros uniform. I really used mm. to love that, and and I still love it on on throwback days. So yeah. So I'm going to answer both of those questions because speaking of Bull Durham, hit them where they ain't is the thing that I say the most if I'm quoting a movie at a ball game. So I'm going with that one, but also I'm going to go with the Rockford Peaches. 
And no one wears it better than Potty Mouth at Halloween. Oh, that's right. I never posted that picture, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, now All you right. need to. Now you now need you to. Have to. And then Christmas movie. White Christmas, absolutely, hands down. Die Hard. See, another, can, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Die Hard is not. Christmas no, it's just because it happens at Christmas doesn't make it a Christmas movie. It's my Christmas movie. I, I'm I'm the host, so I get to I get to go on now and ignore what you're saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> so haven't gotten to Orioles Red Sox yet. Yeah, yeah, right. We might just skip that. Um, say so my favorite baseball movie. I really enjoy Angels in the Outfield. I really enjoy that movie. And then I. I Dead silence on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, favorite. it doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Ba- baseball quote uh, comes from that same movie when a uh, little, I think it's uh, JP says, hey, it could happen. Just, he says it a lot. I just, I, it's, it's endearing. <laughs> uh, a Christmas movie would be, uh, if you guys were in the same room, I know you'd be giving each other looks. Favorite Christmas movie, again, if people are going to laugh at this, it's A Muppet Christmas Carol. That's not bad. I, w- oh, that, I will watch it totally in July. Good. It's an awesome movie. Uh, That's so, totally legitimate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Well, I, one out of three isn't bad. All right. Let's move this along. Okay. We could wait, we could spend this forever. Wait. Yes. I have a quote. <laughs> okay. It, sorry. Occurred to me. Yeah. From the, you're killing me, Smalls. Oh I yeah. That a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. That works. That's a classic. That's a classic. Way to be original. Okay. So, um, we were going to talk about when we were originally going to discuss this. Uh, we were two games into the World Series, and I was going to ask what their impressions were, and so obviously. It's over. What what are what did you I know Red Sox fan, you know, and we've you know, whatever. I don't hate the Red Sox. I, <laughs> I say whatever an awful lot. We don't need to go Red in that. We don't need to go into that because there's there's some lot of stuff that I think you guys want to talk about as well. But what did you think of and Patty, you can answer this first. What did you think of the World Series and the playoffs as a whole? Where, where do you where do you rate it? Where do I rate it? I was fascinated by the pitching and the decisions that were made about pitchers. You know, I'm so used to the traditional, you have a starter that goes along as, as long as the starter can go. And then you start doing the matchups late. People were playing fast and loose. I mean, the Brewers were doing it. And then of course the Red Sox did it and things were surprising. And you said, why is this pitcher here now? And it, it didn't feel like the same old series. You were never sure what was going to happen next. And I loved that. I absolutely love that about it. Yeah, I thought, I mean, here's my biased Red Sox view. I thought Alex Cora was a flippin' genius. I was so excited to see the way that he was managing. There were definitely mistakes here and there. But overall, he's aggressive and he's willing to take decisions, which a lot of Red Sox managers haven't been like that in the past. So that was really fun to watch. And uh, yeah, I like the rest of the series too. Yeah, it was. I I actually predicted uh, Red Sox in five, and I actually did say they would win the first two, lose the next one, and then win uh, games four and five. Sorry, I did the I did the Red Sox in five, but I didn't break it down like that. I had Red Sox in six, and I, I'm still smarting from my, my from my loss. <laughs> well, it's it's. I tell you what, the Red Sox, uh, this phenomenal team, start to finish, honestly, and you know. They're they're saying that this could rival the the best team that's ever been. Now I, I definitely think that's a shoe in if they win next year. I think that's a conversation that we definitely have. I like the World Series, um, the playoffs as a whole. As far as baseball is concerned, I enjoyed. 
the production value from the networks and the people commentating hated it. Oh, sign me up for that. Oh my God. You know, like I understand. And I, I talked to, I think it was a uh, Preston from just a bit outside. I think we talked about this a little bit with ads in between pitches, like, okay. In between batters, I'm okay with maybe if you can cut down the time in between innings. But when, when Joe Buck would even say, all right, in a word from Coke, like, he didn't even, it's like he just wanted to be home. He didn't even want to be there. Uh, Fox Sports 1 were covering games. They were in the afternoon. Now, I like that because I'm still still trying to find a job. So this was like, man, baseball at 11 o'clock since I'm mountain time. And I'm like, this is great. I can have, you know, my brunch and watch some baseball. But, but the production value needs a lot of work. It's interesting. Like those in-between commercials are supposed to be part of the whole pace of play thing, like speeding things along. And I just found it annoying as all get out. Either have them or don't have them, but don't be distracting. As as a constant Boston baseball watcher, it was really cool to see uh, Don Orsillo and Dennis Eckersley, and they called the Houston-Cleveland game. So I was sad not to see them doing Red Sox again, but Don Orsillo was an amazing Red Sox announcer for years who got fired, canned for some bizarre reason, is now with the Padres. And to hear him again with Dennis Eckersley, that was the one series that I super enjoyed. The rest of them, eh, nah. And I, I couldn't even see I that rem- series because that was the one that was yes. in the afternoon. That was the one, if you are if you are in fact a baseball fan and unemployed, it was perfect. But if you don't get home <laughs> until five o'clock, you've missed most of the game. Even when your hometown team from the land of your birth is playing, it kind of stunk. Well, you say unemployed. That's that's like that's you could have said not have a job. Unemployed employed has such negative connotations. And I think you chose that on purpose. Gosh. It's completely different. <laughs> well, now see, it wasn't even really about you necessarily. I'm just saying if one didn't have a job, and I mean I don't know you enough to really be mean. I I will be mean later once I get to know you better, but no. <laughs> And didn't you say that, and Patty, didn't even you say that that was like good for the people of Cleveland before that they were reaching out to the Cleveland unemployed by him there. Yes. Yep. That's the thing. If you're a Cleveland fan and unemployed, you're in business. You're going to love that, that playoff run. <laughs> I, I will say that I, I enjoyed listening. Maybe it was when I was in high school, maybe college when, when Earl Hershiser was calling world series games. I enjoyed him. I, I enjoyed, yeah. And apparently you didn't. Okay. Let's move this along. All right. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. But let's go. I want to get into stuff that I know you guys really want to talk about. So be honest. I stumbled upon your podcast. I was surprised. Okay, not surprised about lack of baseball knowledge because it's there. But more along the lines of female interest levels in baseball. And you heard me give my uh, confession when I did the interview with Bridget McCauley about my friend mm-hmm. Ashley in college. So that's kind of the, uh, the context of this, the following questions. What's the current landscape of women's involvement with sport as you know it, uh, Patty? Well, I, I want to go back to you being surprised about like women caring about baseball. Really? Yeah. No, I, I mean, and I'm not saying like I'm right in that assessment. I, I Clearly I was wrong, but it just might be my context and my, um, my, you know, small scope of things. So that was just a confession. It wasn't that I didn't want to be involved or I thought it was none. It's just probably my lack of exposure well, to it. Yeah, so. no, I, I get that. I get that. I mean, because there are an awful lot of us out there. And actually, that's one of the reasons we started the podcast is we would listen to other baseball podcasts and didn't feel like they were speaking to us. It was all about, you know, like the, the dads and, the, and, and their sons going out to the ball game. And it was, it was very male centric and not inclusive enough. So that's kind of why we kind of threw our voices out there. It's like, well, let's, we don't, and we don't uh, 
we don't say we're representing all women, but we are in fact women with voices and we want to use them to talk about baseball because there, there are more of us out there. So as far as women in baseball, as opposed to just talking about baseball, I mean, there are a handful of executives. There's, you know, a handful of scouts. There's a handful of people doing front office stuff. Major League Baseball, it seems to tr be trying to do more, to be more inclusive and to, to have the women who are already in there mentoring more women to kind of bring them up. Um, the, the place that is really lacking are is women playing baseball because women are, girls are still pushed to softball, which is a completely other sport, which is a legitimate sport, but it isn't the same sport. And so girls who want to play baseball don't have as many opportunities. So the path to playing at a professional level is, is not clearly defined yet. Though it's also, I feel like we're at a really good point to be having this podcast, but because it seems like this stuff is really starting to, to bloom a little bit that the seeds have been there and the past, especially I would say 10, 15 years, there's been a lot of foundation being built. And I feel like we're at a really good point to watch it expand and to be able to talk about it, which is a really great experience. And I've, since, since I've been looking around a little bit more since we started, I've been surprised that there are other women out there with podcasts um, that are similar in some ways, different in others. I think one demographic that we hit that's a little bit unique is the women in reading glasses because we, we have them and there are a lot of other women who wear reading glasses who are at the stadiums with us and it's not uncommon. There are just a, a lot of women out there watching baseball and who care about it. So why not have us talk to them about what we're all looking at? One of the things that we try to do when we talk about baseball is we don't assume a certain level of knowledge in our listeners. We know we've got listeners who are diehard fans, but we also have people that may have come in because they know somebody who knows somebody who knows us or or they have more of a tangential relationship to baseball. So we try to spend some time defining some terms. You know, we're not going to say like in, in our in our last show, we talked about, you know, protecting guys with the with the rule five draft. And we don't just move on. We stop and explain that. Or what is the what what are waivers or what? So we try to no matter who's listening, men or women or boys or girls or whatever, we want to make sure that we're not assuming and we're welcoming when we talk about baseball. And I totally appreciate that because Patty teaches me a lot. She's definitely the brains behind the operation. I have sort of the emotional side, but I learned. There we go. And, uh, and I learn every week from her, which is great. So we try to do like baseball math and baseball vocabulary and baseball science. We have a little bit of school time. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. I, I, I know for me, you know, learning the rule five draft, I still have a lot to learn with that. And we do. There, there are some assumptions, but it also depends upon the type of show that you want to have, uh, which is, you know, neither here nor there, but like everybody has their context or their audience that they're trying to reach. I've listened to a lot of baseball podcasts where it's going over particular player stats and this and that and how well they did that week. And for me, I have an app for that. I'm not knocking those that have that kind of podcast because I think it's important, but let's have some variety. And so it seems like you're bringing some variety. I, I hope I'm bringing some variety. I hope it's just not like, you know, conversation that you can have, you know, at the bar with your buddy. Uh, it's just now it's every Friday instead of whenever you want to go to the bar. Uh, so hopefully we're all bringing something different for this sports baseball podcast community. I, I think it's great. So with that, you know, Potty Mouth, can you share with me maybe something specific that you've seen or maybe been involved in that's helping grow the game and, and get uh, girls, women involved uh, at an early age? 
So I can't say that I've been involved personally, but I've been following a, following a lot of the action because we're interested in seeing where it's going. And in we're right outside of Washington, D.C., and D.C. Girls Baseball is a young, blossoming organization that's catching on. I know Boston also has a girls team, the Slammers, and recently there was a regional competition, uh, which they're hoping to get bigger every year. So it's, it used to be just a, a national one, the Baseball for All, which you can look up. That's Justine Siegel. And she was, used to work for MLB. She was actually, I think, um, through batting practices, like one of the only women who has done that for the A's, I believe. I don't know. All of that stuff needs to be looked up. But sh- her mission is to grow the game and to have girls playing baseball. So there are girls teams out there. There has been a national tournament every year. And now this past year, I think they're starting the regional tournament tournaments for the first time. And so hopefully there'll be more opportunity for girls to actually play against each other, seeing as though every city might have one team per age range kind of thing. And one of the interesting things about that is these teams have sort of grown up on their own, not part of a larger system. So that's what makes it different than there's not a track to like a major league, a national level, because you may or may not have a, a, a girls team or a co-ed team in your town. And if you do, there may not be enough teams to play against in your town. And there's not necessarily a formal national network that are, you know, like my, my kid play travel softball. There, is all, there are all kinds of networks of that. You fall into one, you're at a tournament every weekend, you know, you see the other teams you play, you move up, you know who's who. That isn't really the case for baseball, but it's starting to be the case. And that's one of the things that Baseball for All is doing. And when Potty Mouth said they started to have regional tournaments, the important thing about that is that means there's enough teams to have tournaments within regions and not, oh, there's only 15, 16 teams. So we'll all go to one place and play one tournament. So that's moving forward in a positive way. Go ahead. Definitely. I was just going to say Canada is working on a very parallel system right now. It seems to be that the same thing's happening. And like Patty said, that the teams are coming up organically. I saw this article about this woman whose daughter wasn't allowed to play on a little league team. And so she wanted to start her own and she sent a message out saying anybody else in the situation and got huge response. And so started this local Canadian girls baseball. And that's what's happening all over Canada, all over the United States. And the key is to have some powerful organization like say MLB um, take over as sort of an umbrella and bring this stuff together and bring it to that next level. And that is starting to happen. MLB has done some outreach with a couple of events this past year, so which is why I totally feel like we're at this ground level. I'm learning. I want other people to hear about what we're learning and uh, spread the good news. A, a good model for this is, okay, I'm a hockey fan. I'm going to put that out there. I always try to find a way to bring up hockey in the middle of a baseball conversation. So here I go. A good a good model for how national men's leagues can help women's leagues is there's a national women's hockey league, which is tiny. It's only five teams. But some of the men's teams that are in the same cities are trying to help promote the women's team. So the closest team to us in the women's league is the Metropolitan Riveters, and they play in Newark, right? So they play in the practice rink for the New Jersey Devils. The Devils said, hey, you're having your home opener. Play it at the Prudential Center. Play it in the Rock. Play it in the, in the big rink. And they gave their season ticket holders free tickets 
to come see the women play. And the people who bought tickets for the women's game got free tickets to go see the devils at another date. And they had their, like their banner raising ceremony for the Isabel cup, which is the women's version of the Stanley cup at, at the Prudential Center. So the men's team showcased the women's team to get attention for it. And I would love to see major league baseball teams sort of adopt teams in their cities and bring attention to them by bringing them into their ballparks and like waving their hands and saying, Hey, look at this. This is really cool. This is a high level of play. You should pay attention to this. Well, I, I think, no, this, this is great. And I think collaboration, especially with those that are in the sport who are already influencing it at a great level is the, the best way to enter this into the public eye. You know, I, so it, it, it's a, it's a matter of awareness because like I said, I, I wasn't as aware of you know women involved in baseball and playing as you guys were, and so that, that's what got me interested. And so when you mentioned uh, this this league, and I like the Isabella Cup, that's that's pretty cool. But you mentioned the team in Canada, so let me jump ahead here. And that there there are talks about baseball, uh, MLB wanting to expand more interla- internationally, maybe putting another team in Montreal, even Mexico. And uh, one of you, I forget which one it was, mentioned uh, something about. Um, I, th- I think it was something going on in Mexico. Maybe it was an umpire or some or some team. I'm not sure. It, uh, let us know what's going on in Mexico or any interest for women baseball outside of the United States. So that would be me. There, uh, this past year was the first uh, Mexican female umpire. So they beat us. Uh, you know, MLB still doesn't have umpires at the major league level. So, I, you know, this is one of the kind of cool things about Twitter and having a podcast is I've seen tweets about her. And so I found her account. And I thought it would be really cool to talk to her and just hear what was going on. I think it was under the cover of when we were talking about what to watch when our baseball season was open. So I was looking into Mexican baseball and thought, I wonder if she's going to be umpiring during the winter leagues and if we can follow her. So I messaged her and she said, sure, let's talk. Now, she doesn't speak English, so we weren't able to put it on the podcast, unfortunately. But it was really cool to just call this woman in Mexico and ask her questions about being an umpire in their version of Major League Baseball, which is actually LMB, Liga Mexicana de Baseball. And uh, she was fascinating because my first you know, question was to say, what kinds of obstacles did you face in being accepted when you were coming out for your first game by your, by your colleagues? And she, she answered so calmly, basically saying, it was not an issue. So I I found I was like, I kept re-asking her because I was having a hard time believing you mean you didn't get harassed. There wasn't any problem. And she said, no, everybody was really nice and really welcoming. And she really loves umpiring. And she actually was recruited by the head of the the baseball league. I guess the president, I think is the title of Liga Mexicana. And he, for some reason that I'm not quite sure of, was looking to get women more involved. And he actively had people go out there to try to find women who are involved in sports in one way or another and bring them into the league. And so she just happened to be the first woman that went through the process. I think she started off actually coaching and umping soccer, but then moved to softball and then got found somehow and brought in. So it was a little bit of active recruiting, which is really admirable. Now, with that being said, I, I have to ask this question because I really think, uh, especially a lot of our male listeners are, are, are thinking this, and I don't mean to bring this up, and that, this is kind of a curveball, pun intended, but I really think a lot of people are going to think about this because of how 
aggressive and how I think some players can be straight up, you know, rude and uncalled for other than, you know, outside the normal arguing balls and strikes and stuff like that and yelling. How do you think a, a, a woman will respond to that type of onslaught? Because it can, it can be rough. And I'm wondering, is that going to be a problem? Do you think uh, people are going to look down upon a woman if she handles it one way or another way, or she immediately be like, oh, she can't handle it. Like, tell me what you feel and what they're capable of doing. I want to know, because I don't want to have that stereotype. I don't want that to exist. This is hard to answer without potty mouth language. You know? I, I understand that, but try <laughs> your very best. And that's why I was like, should I do this? But I do think it's an important question uh, because it's we have well, to start erasing some of these preconceived ideas and thoughts about women in, in general, especially sports. One of the ways we do that is by exposure. You get women in those positions, you hire them, and you see how it goes. And the more you have women hired as umpires and you know whether it's minor leagues into the major leagues whatever they have more experience and people get used to them being there when they are when it stops being unusual then fewer people are going to have those thoughts there's always going to be jerks who are going to make assumptions because of whatever body parts you you know you show up with but you got to prove them wrong if you're going to if you're going to be an umpire you got to have a thick skin right and you got to be in control you are in control of the game and if you have that kind of confidence i think that's going to make a difference if you go out there scared to death you're not going to be able to do your job anyway so you're not going to not going to rise very far in the ranks umpire male or female gets a lot of crap right just just it, it's going to happen so either way it just has to be a tough person who can take it another good follow on twitter is um perry barber who is a, a woman umpire who has umped in the minors and I'm thinking something like spring training or fall league or something, but never a major league game that hasn't happened yet. But she has a lot to say about what she had to go through in umpire school. And this is why I was fascinated by this woman from Mexico, because it didn't sound like a parallel that the few women umpires in this country have had to deal with, well, things like having a roommate at umpire school and, and changing rooms and things like that. And just the equipment fitting, you know, an umpire outfit is pretty body dependent. So to get something that'll fit a woman is a little bit different. So a lot of changes need to happen, but some of us women are loud and tough and I think we'll break down some doors. And I, I'm glad you guys mentioned that because I, I do, I agree. And what's, what's interesting is we assume these things uh, from particular genders. And I don't want to get political at all, but this isn't, this isn't political. This is, this is men and women in sports. It's pretty straight and straightforward, pretty cut and dry. But if we always anticipate or we always think that, that men can take a bigger beating or let it you know run off the roll off their back, I disagree. I mean, we, let's look at real quick, Angel Hernandez, yeah. And, and there's a couple others, even Joe, Joe West. Usually when your pride gets hurt, it's because your feelings got hurt because you took it personally. And I, I've seen so many, and you guys, you watch the game. You see so many ejections. After a batter has, has shared with the umpire what he thought of the call, he's already turned his back. He's walking back to the dugout. So, so it's over. And then the umpire continues to make it an issue by tossing him after he had already conceded the out. Like, it's over. Why are you continuing with it? One, because it's pride. And two, probably because he said something that hurt his feelings. So I, I don't think it's men, women, in regard to you know who is more susceptible for reacting a certain way. It's just, as you said, thick skin or thin skin. 
And, you know, I think those are great points. And we, I am one of those. And here's another confession. I am, the reason why I had a temper growing up is because I'm sensitive. And so it's either cry because you got your feelings hurt or get angry and upset because that's quote unquote, what men do. They don't cry. And that's, that's just, that's a lie. You ever seen a dude watch a Hallmark Christmas movie? Ask my sister. Uh, anyway, so I'm revealing a lot about myself more than I intended to. But that that's the thing. We all have emotions. We all have to keep them in check. And for me, it's not a, it's not a man-woman type of thing. It's a do you have self-control over your emotions in that giving moment? And can you ignore the onslaught that's been given to you and call the game properly? If you can do that, sign anybody up. All right, there's my little soapbox. Now, <laughs> you guys were uh, originally going to have a a conversation with uh, an individual, a woman who is doing a documentary on girls in, in baseball. So you've there, there's the Kickstarter, I think, is wrapped up, but you haven't had the interview yet. But tell us a little bit more about that that project that you've researched. I've researched it a little bit. What, what's the main reason why you'd like to have an interview with her? What's special about this project, and how can it be beneficial to, to women in baseball? I think it's just continuing this this thread of getting more publicity of stuff that's talking about women in baseball. So it's a documentary called Throws Like a Girl, and she has been involved in women's baseball, she told me, since 2010. And she's been personally to, I think, four different women's baseball World Cups, including one in Korea. So she's been deeply involved in the world of women's baseball. And I want to hear about that. There aren't that many people who I've run into who I've, I've heard about that kind of inside look of women in baseball. So we're hoping to talk to her. We were going to talk to her two days ago, but we had a Verizon outage here in D.C. So it didn't happen. But we have it scheduled for December. Is that right? Yes, that's true. So more to come. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and it really is all about the exposure. The more people know about all the issues that are out there, the people are out there, the women who have been playing all this time, they're playing on men's teams, how, you know, they're playing internationally because that's where they can play. This kind of documentary, there's other stories that are out there, I think is really, really important for people to hear about. And you mentioned the Women's World Cup and the Women's World Cup was hosted in the United States this past August and they took the championship trophy around to major league ballparks to try to drum up some exposure and some interest. And their first stop was here at Nationals Park. And I went and I met some of the women who were playing. We saw the the trophy and everybody that walked by said, hey, I didn't know about this. I've never heard about this before. So again, it's a little bit of exposure here or there. It's like, hey, wave it in front of people's faces in any way you can, whether it's a documentary or it's bringing the trophy down or it's... Um, having a major league team say, pay attention to those girls and those women over there and what they're doing. Um, finding out that there is in fact umpire school that women can go to uh, anything that you can do that that's, what's going to grow the game and grow women in all aspects of the game, playing, managing front office, training, umpiring, all those things. Yeah. It's definitely exposure and awareness. And I think that's the case for, for a lot of different things, but especially with, with women being involved with baseball, I think it's, I think it's great. If anyone has, if, if you have not watched a women's baseball game, it's not even close to softball. Completely different sports. You, you think softball is the, the female version of baseball. It's not. It, it's not at all. I was able to catch a couple of the games for the, for the World Cup, Women's World Cup for baseball. And it's, it's completely it's, it's different pace, um, completely different skill set. So it's, it's not. So if you, if you think it's the, you know, the fem- softball is a female version of baseball, um, get a pulse. So last thing I want to do, I just wanted to bring this up and ask you guys, you know, how, 
women can get more involved locally, like where they are right now. And then I'm going to let you guys plug your podcast as, as much as you want. I'm going to be having, trying to arrange an interview with uh, Celeste at Four Base Score. And what she's doing, she's kind of turning the scorecard on its head. So instead of the traditional box score, she's looking at the value of a particular player in a game to see how many bases that particular player pushed. And by pushed, it's either, you know, you know, got a hit and got on. And then if they moved a runner from first to third, they, they pushed an additional two uh, bases. Uh, how many RBIs? Like bringing all that together to see, you know, that's the point of baseball, bringing them from home and then bringing them back to home to get a, to score a run that, you know, in and of itself, the more runs you win the game. You know, everybody knows how games are, are played. And so when I first saw her Twitter um, profile picture, I'm thinking Celeste, like, oh, maybe this this guy. I did. I assumed it was a guy. That that's my bad. I, I assumed that, and I thought maybe this is his wife's name, and he's honoring her or, or his, his daughter's name, because it was a guy and a girl, and it was actually David Eckstein, and Celeste was uh, the the female standing beside him because it's been a while since David Eckstein played. I forgot what he looked like. Uh, he's a small dude, awesome dude, reminded me of you know Chuck Knobloch back in the day, and the 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 amount of detail and intelligence that she has put in this system uh, is phenomenal. And I'm a little ashamed that I'm like surprised that a woman came up with this. Like I, I this is confu- this is full confession here, and I don't think it's because I, I believe that there's a lack of ability or intelligence with females. I just really didn't think, and this is my ignorance, how involved and, and how much of a fan the females are of the sport. Because I have friends who are fans of football. And basketball, because it's a that's a different sport altogether. I think we all can agree that baseball is just a different breed. And so I've seen, you know, female fans of football and basketball. And I don't know why I didn't think that it was something for baseball. I I have I have I have absolutely no clue. And maybe I had my own blinders on. So with that, how what do you guys think that females could do, women can do uh, currently? Uh, to to help bring awareness or, or be involved, or if they have an idea, should they just go for it? I would say you can start by following us. So listen to our podcasts, follow our feeds on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Twitter is NCIB Podcast, and Facebook and Instagram are No Crying in B Ball. And we often post connections to things that are going on locally. Uh, look at your city and see if there's a girls baseball team. I know DC girls baseball posts a lot. They're out there and there are definitely ways to support them and to get involved. The other thing you can do is keep your eye on MLB news and when jobs are going out there and, and looking at who's applying and what opportunities women have and write somebody, write a letter, write your team. If you know they're considering a woman who you think might be qualified, let them know what you think. And keep that in the public eye. Keep it out there. Keep talking about it. So minor league ball um, ball teams and major league teams all have internships. So if you know young women who are coming up, and they don't have to be sports management majors in college. They could be communications folks or marketing folks if they want to do front office stuff. Or they could be the trainers or the scouts. or the, You know, women get into interesting Baseball hires from a lot of different angles, but
but you have to look for the opportunity and you have to put yourself out there. It's, it's, it's not obvious, right? And you'd say, Oh, I, I didn't, I don't have a sports management degree. I can't go work for the Nats. Sure. You can, there's going to be something that's going to be a way in. Um, we just t- talked about, um, uh, potty mouth. Who's the woman at the, at the Red Sox, Raquel. Yep. She started as an administrative assistant and now she's a senior vice president in the Red Sox organization. Right. You get in there any way you can and you do what you can do. And then what Potty Mouse said about you find that there's going to be a team. There's going to be a team in your neighborhood somewhere, whether it's like my kid coaches Little League. It was all boys except for one girl. And she had the best arm on the team. So you just got to, you know, bring your friends, you know, get get in. If you don't have a girls team, play co-ed, do something. There, there are ways in elbow your way in a little bit at a time and just make your presence known. And, you know, talk about misconceptions. One of the interesting things that you hear from girls who finally play in all girls tournaments is that they're happy at the level of competition. Because if you're a girl and you're the only one on a boys team, you're damn good. You're really good. And so those girls picking them up and putting them in all girls teams against each other is an incredibly high quality. So it's not what you would expect, right? Most people would think, oh, look at the girls game. It's not going to be as intense. Well, maybe not. No, I, this is great advice for all those that want to get involved. You love the sport, you go after it. And you know, that's advice to everybody. Uh, but get involved with baseball. You know, I think all of us fans should encourage uh, women to be more involved. Uh, allow them to be, get, get on their side about this. I think it's great for the sport. Uh, anything, any, more involvement by kids, by women, by men, uh, whatever, to help the sport of baseball, help all sports and understand, hey, you know, we all can play this game because it's, it's that awesome of a game. So you guys pitched a little bit about, you know, your podcast, your Twitter, hand, Twitter handle. I have a hard time saying that. Uh, go ahead and do it one more time for me, and then we'll, we'll sign off on that. I'll give you guys the, the last word, believe it or not. You want this one, Patty? Sure. You can find us at nocryinginbball.com. We are on Facebook and Instagram at nocryinginbball. And Potty Mouth, remind me of the Twitter handle because I don't touch the darn thing. It's NCIB podcast. And I am learning Twitter as a foreign language very slowly. <laughs> so but there's a lot of stuff going on out there. So we release a, a new show every week, even during the off season, because as you know, there's always something going on right now. It's all hot stove. And then, then it'll, before you know it, it'll be spring training, but we're going to keep you updated on our baseball boyfriends, who to watch players you may not have heard of. Come join us. Can I just have to add an asterisk, even though we're winding up? I think the baseball boyfriends part got cut on the first retake. Yeah, you can explain it and I can try to insert it in there. Okay, or we can just have it here. <laughs> it's uh, Yep, go for it. Uh, so one thing that we look for in, in teams is our baseball boyfriend. And when I first said this before the recording didn't record, I talked about how it existed before we had this podcast. Patty and I used to go to games together and would pick a guy and it's nothing creepy. It's the guy you want to hang out with, you want to talk with, you want to have a beer with, the guy who's a great player, but there's also some quirk about him, something that makes you interested in him, be it the cool hairstyle or his charity work or his family in Venezuela and his life story. Or he always calls his mom. It could be anything. (laughs) That's extra points. And Patty and I definitely have slightly different standards here and there, right? We absolutely do. I keep wanting to coach Potty Mouth on making better boyfriend decisions because sometimes I just look at her and I think, and you're a mom too, really? 
I, I, I'm easily entertained. So what we do is we start at the bottom of the barrel. So this week we picked O's and Marlins and we work our way up every week with one AL pick and one NL pick. The rules are we cannot have each other's boyfriends. So one, one guy per person, per team. And eventually it comes out to a fantasy team by the, the, end, the time that we're done with it and we make our cuts and things like that. But we profile these guys. So if you want to get a little bit more information about the players you're watching in the offseason, check us out. Because every week we're going to be taking a deep dive into two guys, both their skills, but also what makes them an interesting person. Yeah, the third part of the baseball boyfriend thing is they have to clearly love the game. It's not just their job. So it's mad skills. They love the game and that little extra something special. Well, and I think everybody's going to appreciate, you know, the the in-depth uh, bio or investigation of baseball players because, and I think it's a great idea because baseball does not, the MLB does not market their players enough, in my opinion. Um, they, they keep that more on a regional level. I think it should be more national. I think it would help the sport out. So you guys are kind of already, already ahead of the curve. Awesome. Great discussion. I appreciate you guys being here. And obviously, let's let's keep in touch uh, in the offseason as, as well as during the season. And, and, and stop dissing on the O's. You said bottom of the barrel, and you mentioned the O's first. And you did that on purpose. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a math thing. I mean, I'm with you on the O's. Remember, I named my kid Camden. But it's, it's yeah, we look at the standings, and we start at the bottom, and we work our way up. And so, yeah, yeah it just happened to be that way. And I was a little sad about it, too. I got to say, I was sad about it, too. Again, I want to thank Potty Mouth and Patty from No Crying in Baseball Podcast for joining me today on the Ball Emit Podcast. Uh, make sure you check out and follow everything that they have going on, their humor, their baseball knowledge uh, in their podcast. Uh, it's an awesome listen. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. I got it right that time. Uh, it is a you know awesome network of sports enthusiasts, writers, podcasters. Be bold. Stand out. See ya. Well, folks, that's a wrap. This has been a Ball and Bit Podcast production. Take a gather at our website and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Farewell, baseball fans.